Hello and welcome to Mastermind.fm, where we talk about doing business with WordPress. Your hosts today are James Loss from WP Ninja and myself, Jean Galea from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator. In this episode, we'll be talking about total plugin rewrites. Lately, myself with WP RSS Aggregator and my team, we've been discussing whether to rewrite the plugin in a major way. Um, James, on the other hand, has been on an ongoing process to rewrite Ninja Forms, going forward to Ninja Forms 3, and I believe it's been more than a year since the process has been kicked off. So in this episode, we'll be talking about the different whys as to why to go for a rewrite and the challenges that go with it. Before we start, a few words from our sponsor, SiteLock, and then we'll get back to the nitty gritty. We'd like to take a moment to let you know about SiteLock, a global leader in website security solutions and sponsor of this episode of Mastermind.fm. SiteLock offers the most comprehensive malware removal and prevention system on the market from the convenience of your WordPress dashboard. With 24-7, 365 support, you can rest assured that no matter when you're attacked, they'll be there to help. Leave security to SiteLock and enjoy the freedom to stay focused on your business, your passion, your work. Check them out at wpdistrict.sitelock.com. Welcome back to the show. We're going to be discussing now plugin rewrites. And uh, Jean gave a good uh, kind of introduction about the process of companies getting to a place where they realize something needs to change. They've, uh, they, they're considering the idea of rewriting a plugin. Uh, so he's actually in the process of thinking through, does this need to happen for WPRSS aggregator? And we and my company are actually in the process or at the tail end of the process of completely rewriting the code base for Ninja Forms, which has been, uh, it's been kind of a fun journey and definitely challenging. So the first thing I think we should ask or any plugin developer should ask is when should a rewrite be undertaken? Is there any specific indicators where you would say, yes, we should pause and start thinking seriously about a rewrite? Yeah, I, I think the obviously the most obvious time to do a rewrite is when you realize that your current architecture of your plugin, the current state of your plugin, you're not able to iterate any further on it. You can't take the product further. And there's th- there are you know limiting factors in your code base that are stopping you from adding those certain key features that you need to be competitive, uh, are hurting your scalability as your audience is growing, as your user base is growing, that is causing major support issues and you can't solve those issues without a complete rewrite. Those are, those are times that I think you absolutely need to consider rewriting the plugin. Now that doesn't have to be a complete rewrite. Uh, we started off with NinjaForms doing a iterative approach. So we rewrote our submissions and then we rewrote our emails and action system and we added some UI elements. But still then, at some point, we got to a place where we couldn't iterate any further, and some of the fundamental changes we need, some of the things that we needed to change actually required a fundamental change to the core as a whole. And I, I guess it's also about technology, new technology coming in, or the level of developers within WordPress or within your plugin team going to a higher level. In our case, we started off the plugin, well, I started off writing and a functional way just basically a set of functions which made up the core aggregator plugin and as we went along the list of features grew and grew and suddenly we had this huge mass of a plugin which with many different files and basically 
what we've been doing in our partial rewrite has been transitioning to object-oriented, the object-oriented way of writing code. However, there is also new technology, like as we have mentioned maybe in other episodes, WordPress is sort of moving away from PHP, not completely, but at least partially, and embracing JavaScript. And that also has applications within the plugin development community and within our plugins. So was that uh, anything to do with your choice of a rewrite, James? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are challenges and there are th- there are caveats to that. Like, I would be careful about just chasing new technology because you don't know when you start a project what technologies are going to actually, you know, um, stand the test of time, which ones are going to win out. You know, every develop- developer, every organization, every person kind of leans towards their favorite. Like, we built Ninja Forms primarily with Backbone. That is kind of the core feature. Our reasoning for doing that is Backbone ships natively with WordPress. So we we didn't have to include new libraries to do that. It, it came with it. So that was a nice factor for us. But there is a debate on whether you should be using some combination of Angular and something else or whatever the case may be. And so you have to be careful uh, just adopting to just to rewrite just for new technologies. Uh, your new technology, you know, where you're headed, your goals should inform what technologies you employ. So instead of just saying, well, we want to use Backbone, what happened was we decided what we wanted to be as a form builder, as a form solution, and that informed our decision to use Backbone and the environment that we're in, which is WordPress. So all of those things kind of helped uh, inform our decision in that direction. But certainly you want to be able to use more, at least newer technologies and better coding practices as you move forward. And that is uh, or does inform, I think, a company's decision to rewrite their plugin. So coming back to Ninja Forms, what were the specific driving forces behind you going for a rewrite? And why, did, why wasn't it possible to do a partial rewrite? Well, one of the things that we noticed was, you know, we, you know, Ninja Forms was built, the current version that everybody is using now was initially core, was built back in 2012. Actually, 2013 is when we launched the 2.0 branch, but throughout 2012 is when we built it. So first of all, we built it, you know, almost four years ago, and a lot has changed both in our, you know, in our knowledge as a team and development, uh, also in the things that we do as a plugin and what we've realized our our users and our customers need. And so that has informed a big portion of that. We also noticed that as we got new ideas and new things and we needed to add new features, it started to clutter our UI because the mechanism by which we built the plugin didn't allow for anything other than the way we were currently doing it. And so at some point we said, well, if we want to clean up the UI and we want to streamline this and we want things to be more specifically focused, say in the case of field registration, we would register, we need to register or we want to extend a certain field type and it would inherit a bunch of stuff that it didn't need to inherit. And so we needed a better way of choosing those things. And so rewriting was a part of that process. The other driving force for us really was we wanted a new UI, a new user experience for our customers and our users. The current UI was built off of the WordPress menu system way back when, when it was first introduced. And we had adopted all of the WordPress menu UI elements 
But as the menu UI had updated and changed, it was harder and harder for us to kind of maintain that same style and feel because it moved beyond what, what we needed and we needed or we needed more than the menu system allowed for. And so we were having to kind of bolt things on to a system that was never meant to be bolted onto. And it just made it cumbersome and clumsy and, and, and challenging. So uh, before we pass on to the challenges of doing a rewrite, let's just summarize some indicators which might like show that your plugin is uh, nearing its time for a rewrite. I guess one of them would be recurring user problems. We've seen, even with our plugin, some specific tickets in our Help Scout system where they keep repeating the same mistakes. And there's not really something that we can do in terms of documentation. It's just that the way we had developed this particular feature was not the best way to go about it. So we need to be redoing that. Another is UI clutter. As we go along, we add more features. We tend to add more features and plugins. And the end result after two, three years can be a very cluttered user interface with a challenging UX, which might not be obvious to especially new users. Obviously, there's new technologies like the adoption of JavaScript within WordPress that might be a driving force. As we mentioned, also better coding practices like the use of object-oriented PHP. Also, I found that every now and then I get this itch to add new function functionality to the plugin, you know. And I keep thinking about it and the whole team is thinking about it, but it's simply not possible in the way we're doing things. Usually, it would have to necessitate a complete UI overhaul. And again, that, that means possibly the need to rewrite. Also, I don't know if you agree with me, perhaps when opening the plugin to third party developers, you need to rewrite the plugin to make sure there's enough hooks and it's written in a way where people can just hook within the plugin, kind of have a proper API, which is well documented, but also technically in the way it's coded, very intuitive for other developers. Yeah, I, I would actually completely agree with that. I mean, that is another reason to do, may, doesn't always require a rewrite, but sometimes it does. You may have built something in a way that is just not extensible to outside developers. And one of the one of the beauties of WordPress and the reason WordPress has grown like it has is because plugins are able to extend WordPress and do really awesome things with it. If you want your plugin also to be widely adopted and taken, you know, and taken seriously, it needs to be extensible so developers can take it further because they're going to come up with ideas and things to do with your plugin that you never considered and you want to give them a means to do that and that's going to make them passionate fans of what you're offering. Okay, so before we go into the specific details of how you made the transition from plugin Ninja Forms version 2 to 3, and also the challenges that you faced. Let's take a short break for our sponsor and we'll be back soon. If you're in the market for a host, listen to this. We're excited to be able to announce that WP Engine, one of the best managed hosting solutions in the WordPress space, has recently become a sponsor of Mastermind.fm. This partnership is an honor for us and it's a great deal for you. Head over to WPEngine.com and give them a look. Pick any one-year plan and enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. For our listeners, that means four months free managed WordPress hosting out of your first year with WP Engine. And that's hard to beat. WP Engine is one of the best managed hosting services in the WordPress community. 
As someone who makes a living in e-commerce, I just can't overstate how critical a solid, reliable hosting service is. WP Engine can be that host for you, and we hope you'll give them a try. Send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm to let us know about your experience if you sign up with them. You won't be disappointed. So, James, um, let us know how you handled the transition from Ninja Forms 2 to 3. Obviously, WordPress.org doesn't let you host two plugins at the same time, two plugin versions. So it's either going for a totally new repository with a new plugin or somehow going around that uh, limitation within the WordPress repository. And I think you've come up with some clever way to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, one, one option, right, is to create a whole new plugin and put in a new code base and just basically sunset the old one and let it die off while you build onto the new one. The problem is, especially for a plugin like Ninja Forms, it has 500,000 you know, active installs. You don't want to lose the traction and the, the, the visibility that you've gained with that plugin. So that's certainly not an option, right? The other option is you can just upgrade one day. One day, you can just turn around and throw out a whole brand new version completely restructured and everything and see what happens. And some people do that to great success, um, but that's challenging because you're, you're really giving users no kind of forewarning and all of a sudden everything is different. Uh, so we've opted for kind of a strange iterative approach where we have rewrote the plugin and we have moved the main plugin into, what's, into a deprecated folder and then rewrote the plugin in the main directory. We then check to see if they have gone through an upgrade routine, and based on that, we determine whether to serve them the deprecated code base or the new code base. And what this gives us the ability to do, one is to roll it out slowly to users so they can start using the new UI, people can opt in, and we can start beta testing that way. You know, another way of doing that would be just, you know, get a subset of users and give them a zip file from your Git repo and they can use the 3.0 code base. The problem is we all know getting beta testers is tough. And so the best way for us is actually put it in the hands of our actual users in live situations. So the plugin has to be ready to be run on live sites, which 3.0 is, um, but you want to give them the kind of that mechanism. So we we actually ship in, I think our current version right now is 2.9.45. And in that version of Ninja Forms, it comes with the 3.0 code base. You may not realize it. You will not necessarily see it because we have mechanisms in place that only allow people to upgrade under certain conditions so we don't end up wholesale people updating to a new code base that they can't currently use for one reason or another. So do you envisage a, a future scenario where you would ask the .org admins to force an upgrade for all the users, maybe in, in a few months' time or even years? No, I think what will end up happening, the way our future transition is going to happen is eventually we're going to be doing 2.9.45464748 while we're continuing to refine the 3.0 code base while also fixing things that, need, that come up in the 2.9 code base. And we'll continue to iterate until all of our add-ons or at least... Our, our, I would say our 80% earners are our biggest, our top, you know, 80% of our add-ons. The, really, it's the top 20% of our add-ons make the top 80% of our revenue. So when those 20% of add-ons are converted, we'll actually release officially 3.0. Now, 
What's interesting is when 3.0 launches, it will still have the same checks to protect users from updating to the 3.0 code base if they're using if they're if they're not using compatible 3.0 add-ons. So there's still some checks in place, but it'll be out there in wholesale so all new users will immediately go right straight to the 3.0 code base because that's all they're using. So the trickiest part, I guess, with such an upgrade is not core itself. It's mainly the add-ons and making sure all add-ons are compatible. And as we've been discussing, you've kind of also cleverly gone uh, about this by updating plugin by plugin, right? And then sort of trickling the users on the new version bit by bit as each plugin is updated. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I think to me, this is kind of the most brilliant part of the release and it's working out well, um, but it, it can also slow you down in some ways. But so the, the basics of it is, since everybody is has 3.0 code base kind of in their install already, when we release an add-on that's 3.0 compatible, and that's the only add-on they have, or all the add-ons that they have are 3.0 compatible, what we find is they will then see a notice in their dashboard saying, hey, you are, you are now eligible to upgrade to the 3.0 code base. When they run their upgrade routine, they will then start using the 3.0 code base for the core and for the add-ons that were 3.0 compatible. So what this does is, you know, it releases the 3.0 code base to small segments of users, only users who have those compatible add-ons, and it's automated. So right now we've released, for instance, our Zapier add-on, MailChimp. I think we just the other day released Constant Contact and Campaign Monitor. Emma is about to be released. Um, there may be another one that I can't think of off the top of my head. So those user bases of those, MailChimp has a pretty pretty big user base, but Constant Contact Campaign Monitor, not as big. Zapier has a decent uh, user base. If they're only using any one or any combination of just those add-ons, only those users get to upgrade to 3.0, which means we're not sending out a 3.0 upgrade to 500,000 installs. We're sending it out to a few thousand. And if those few thousand can choose to go through that upgrade process and work with our support team if they find anything and test and let us know what's working, what's not working, what they like, what they don't like, so we can refine as we move along with actual users, not just some you know, a handful of 12 beta testers who said, yeah, I'll look at it and then never report anything back to you about what they think about it. So this has been a part of that process. It's not the only process we've created. So there is a process that we've created for other people to use it. We created a Slack group and we've invited all of our collaborating devs and any developer who wants to be involved in it to discuss 3.0 and the decisions we've made and to pick our brains as to why we chose this method over that method and so on and so forth. So we've created multiple channels for people to test the new code base and, and to actually fully distribute it without actually fully releasing it, if that makes any sense. So in terms of marketing, that's another good point. How did you go about... So you, you mentioned the Slack group and what other channels did you use to promote the new version? And also in the case of demos, which version do you show? So on our main site, our main demo is still the 2.9 version, but we do have a special three demo. Uh, I think it's three.ninjaforms.com. And so we have a special place for people who are interested in just looking at the new code base, the new UI, the new user experience, and they can actually check out that demo separately. It's not advertised you know, on wholesale on our website, but it is available. And as people ask, we release that out and trickle it out. We send it out on Twitter a lot as well. The other thing we did is we wrote a series of blog posts called Discover 3. 
And it was just a series of videos that I made walking them through different areas or different UI elements of the new core plugin that they may not be aware of. When we launch Layout and Styles, I'll do another Discover 3 showing layouts when that's released um, because it's really fantastic. It's really, really cool. But that was kind of, those are the main channels, a lot of social media and maybe improperly, we've been, we started this process like a year ago. So we've been talking about it for an entire year. Now, the pros and cons to that are, the pros are people are well informed about everything that we're doing. We started a, a developer podcast and we did several episodes where we talked about where we were in the development process and what we were doing and why we were doing it. We answered user questions uh, that came up from those, uh, went through that whole process. We wrote blog posts. We created a group. Uh, we, had a, we created a whole developer site that just has all of the 3.0 stuff involved in it, so developer.ninjaforms.com. Like we did all of this stuff, but we've been doing it for a year. So now we're at that dangerous point of, okay, you've been talking about this for a year. When does this thing actually come out, like live? And our short answer is, it's out now. You can get it now. It's just a little tricky. So you mentioned a lot of marketing channels that you use. And it, frankly, it seems quite a big task, especially for a plugin, which might be developed by only a handful of guys, or maybe even just one guy with some for someone with limited resources. Are there any must do things that you would mention? Um, well, I, <laughs> I would say for somebody who has limited resources, don't make the same mistakes even the bigger companies make, which is don't put out timelines, don't promise anything, do as much Work behind the scenes as much as you can until you know, have a better handle on when you're going to release and then plan your marketing. You want to market. I, I think you want to market a couple months before you release. Um, you don't want necessarily want to give out all of your secrets and all of your new bells and whistles, but you want to start marketing and showcasing. Tell people your process at least a month or so in advance of your release maybe not a year in advance of your release and still not knowing when your full release is going to be, which is where we find ourselves. But by doing that, I think you protect yourself by saying, I can take my time, I can focus, I can fix you know, features and bugs and things that come up in the old code base while I'm doing it. But I, I would say be patient with yourself and make sure you know where you're, where you're headed before you start talking about it. I'm curious, have you used webinars at all? I haven't done any official webinars. The, like I said, the closest thing we did to that was I got my developers on a podcast. Like once a week, we would get together and we would talk about what did we accomplish this week and what are the new things that are coming? What are we currently working on? And answer those questions. But we didn't necessarily engage a larger user base to come and watch live or even to offer questions live at the event. So we haven't done anything like that. And did you do any live demos at conferences? And if, if so, what were the results of that? We did. Um, so when we were in WordCamp Miami and Pressnomics, uh, we were showing off three a lot there. So we did some live demos for people and just kind of let people play around with it and see the new UI. And to be honest, the the feedback was amazing. Like everybody who looked at this new plugin were, were really blown away and thought we're really interested to see what, what was going to come of it as far as, you know, all of the other vision that we had for it. So it was actually really good. And we did offer, I, one of the things that I did that I thought was a little fun is I made some business cards specific 
specifically for Pressnomics. And it was, uh, I think I had it, uh, discover.ninja was the domain. And it was just a demo, had a bit of content talking about Ninja Forms 3 and then a link to the demo site so they could try it out. And we just kind of gave those cards out to um, anyone who was interested in hearing more about 3. So that was one of the marketing channels that we tried just to play around with. Now, it's great that you have had amazing feedback, but I, one thing that comes to mind is PayPal's recent switch to a new interface. And that had a lot of resistance from users, including myself. And they had this functionality where you can go back to the previous old interface. Do you have anything like that in place? And have you met any resistance from users at all? Well, let me let me address the resistance first. I we had one user who who's fairly been fairly vocal in our GitHub, and he was like, "Well, I'm unsure about this. Are you sure this is the right decision?" And blah 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 blah. We had a lot of that back and forth, and. He uh, was in WordCamp Miami, and we showed it to him live, and we had him play around with it, and and showed him some of the stuff it did. And I think we, I think he turned around and kind of converted to, oh yeah, this is going to be amazing. Like I can see how this is easier for users. It's better for developers all around. It's better. That being said, we are fully prepared that when we launch, and this is the only UI, right? Like this is the core UI that we're supporting. We are fully aware that there is going to be a subset of users that do not like the decisions that we've made. And on some level, you just have to be okay with that. You cannot make everyone happy. But we are we are 100% confident that the majority of people are going to find this to be a better experience. And so we're willing to, unfortunately, lose the small percentage of users who who hate the direction that we went for the vast majority of new users who are going to embrace and love the new UI. And I think even the people who are resistant, if they give it a chance, will find that it's actually better for them. But they'll have to kind of make that decision on their own. Now, as far as being able to roll back, we have created a mechanism in place because we are shipping with the deprecated code that at any given point, if you upgrade to 3.0 and maybe you have custom code that you didn't revamp for the new processes, so you're using either deprecated functions or things that aren't working the way you expect or whatever the case, and you're like, ah, I want to roll back because I'm not ready for this yet. We actually have under the advanced plugin settings a way for you to roll back to the 2.9 code base, and you'll be able to do that. And when we launch 3.0, we will maintain that for one full year. That gives everybody an entire year to fully embrace 3.0, get any custom code that they had written upgraded, get everything kind of ready to go for 3.0. Um, and that, this is part of this was also to help our with our support was like, all right, we know that when people upgrade, not everybody is going to have a seamless experience. That's just the nature of software. It doesn't matter how hard we try, somebody's going to find something that just didn't work for them. So this gives them the ability to roll back to the old code base and then immediately contact support and we can help them through that upgrade process, find out where it broke and find out if it's something that is repeatable that might happen to other people and we can correct. So we're hoping that that process of being able to roll back to 2.9 will be pretty advantageous for our users and for us as a team. How do you find managing two plugins at the same time from a marketing perspective this time? Like, how do you go about showing screenshots on .org and on your own site? Do you show the old screenshots or the new ones? And have you met any misconceptions about the plugin 
from users who might have tried just the new one or just the old one and they, they're kind of lost in uh, in the middle of what is Ninja Forms exactly. Yeah, you know, it's challenging. We've been talking about this for an entire year. So anybody who's been really paying attention kind of knows what we're doing. But that doesn't mean everybody does. Not everybody watches everything we're writing and watches every video that we produce and reads every newsletter we send out, right? So there are going to be users who have confusion. And we have seen that. Um, some things that we've done is we actually have two documentation sites. So we have our 2.9 documentation site and our 3.0 documentation site. If you end up on 2.9, there's a screenshot that says, Are, is this the interface that you're working with? Then click here because this is not the site you want. And so we try to kind of go back and forth in that way to kind of steer people towards the right UI. As far as blogs and screenshots and writing that we're doing today, that's still 2.9 unless the point the, the point is to talk about 3.0. So if we're talking about current features and current things that the plugin does, we still show 2.9 screenshots and we still talk about 2.9. It is challenging from a marketing standpoint. To be completely honest, I don't want to market 2.9. I mean, it's done us well, we've grown, but I don't want to spend a lot of money and resources marketing something that I know is going away, especially when I know what's coming is so infinitely better than what was. And so right now, I feel almost kind of hands tied from a marketing perspective because I can't do any major thrust on anything because I don't want to promote the old and I can't promote the new fully. Otherwise, we have some of the things that we've seen, like on Twitter, they're like, yeah, have you seen Ninja Forms 3.0? It looks great. Yeah, if it ever launches. Like, we, you know, if you talk too much about it, you just end up with a lot of people who are discouraged because it hasn't come out yet. And those are people who don't understand the intricacies of all that goes into this complete rewrite. But they're not wrong. We started talking perhaps a little too soon. And that, that is one of the challenges. And from uh, a business point of view, will the license holders of two keep on getting the same upgrades all the way through three? Or is that because some software obviously have stopped the upgrades at uh, the, that current version and then you have to pay again for the new version. And the WordPress case, I, I think, doesn't make a lot of sense. And I guess in your case, you just handle the upgrades as it would any other upgrade, right? Yeah, we, you know, if people are buying recurring licenses with us, we want them to benefit from the hard work that we're doing. And we're doing it for those customers. They gave us money. This is why we are building this product. It's it's for them. It's for our users. So it would be weird for, I think, from our perspective, with our mission to help others be successful, to create a new version and then say, but you can't have it unless you give us more money. You're paid into a recurring license. We're going to give it to you uh, because that's what you paid for. You paid for that update. So if that update comes during your active license, you deserve it. That's that's why you bought an active license was to get those updates. Um, so there is, I think there is an argument for sunsetting a version because it's such a dramatic change and you're like this is actually totally new product so we sunset this version and the new version you have to pay you see that in software like sublime two versus three you had to buy a new license and and that's fine i don't think there's anything wrong with that that is a business model that is a way of doing it and i think it can be done in the plug-in market but in in our perspective you didn't you know, I would say the difference is with Sublime, you paid once for that piece of software, you're getting updates for life. So I would say if you're one of those products where you're like, oh, we give you updates for life, but now 2.0 is dying and 3.0 is launching, you're gonna have to buy a new license for 3.0 because it's vastly different. That's somewhere where I could see that being a process of saying yes. 
I, you know, you have to buy a new license because it is a new version of this product. It's like moving from Windows 2000 to Windows 10 or when, you know, whatever the case may be. And going back to the technical side of things, what were the biggest challenges from in the migration aspect? Like, I guess one of the biggest things is how to migrate the settings from one version to another. And obviously it had the new UI to complicate matters. So if you could maybe share a few challenges on the technical aspect. Yeah, so a, a few a few of the challenges are obviously as we do rewrites and it's a rewrite of the entire code base, so a lot of these settings names change change how they're stored change. So for instance, in the old core plugin, we may have had a lot of things saved as a serialized array. Um, now don't stone us. Lots of people save things as serialized arrays, but when you need to be able to get just a setting out of that array, that's not necessarily the best way, right? Like if you just out need that as a dump at some point, that's fine. But when you need to be able to query for a particular thing in that serialized array, it's not great. So a lot of times, you know, we're moving away from all of the serialized arrays and saving everything as individual options so they can be queried individually. And, and that's important for us. But that also means that there's more settings and things have changed and we have to migrate those settings. So what we had to do is in core, we created an upgrade routine that basically runs through your plugin settings, runs through your forms, each individual form, and basically wholesale looks at a setting and moves it to the new setting, looks at a setting, moves it to the new setting. And we just had to go through each one. So if you have a lot of forms, and a lot of fields, that upgrade routine takes a while because it has to run through everything that it's doing, but it has some visual cues to let you know what's happening. The other challenge to that is add-ons need the same thing, but you don't want to build an upgrade routine in every single add-on, like a whole upgrade system. That's a pain in the rear end. So what we had to do was make our upgrade routine in core generic enough that add-ons could hook into it and take advantage of that routine and then wholesale, you know, uh, migrate those settings over. And that's what we opted for. And it's it's working out really well. So currently, like I said, we have MailChimp, Campaign Monitor, Constant Contact, Zapier. All of those have settings that needed to migrate because they're, they're, where those settings were stored had changed, at least on some level. So they had to hook into that, mig to that um, update routine so that they could migrate those things over. How about uh, customizations in, say, the functions PHP file that users might have done during the years? How does that, I guess, some breakage would occur in that case, since they might be using functions which have changed in their behavior or are even deprecated, and there's no way to detect what, if anything, they are, what customizations they have done compared to the plugins where you can use the uh, sort of detection. Right. And so that's actually a challenge for add-ons in general. So you have people who write custom code in their functions file, or they've wrote a custom plugin that interacts with NinjaForms, or you have these uh, developers who have created businesses on top of NinjaForms by creating add-ons that they sell at Code Canyon, or they've released free plugins in .org. So for all of these situations where we can't detect whether they are 3.0 compatible or not, because they're not using the same conventions that we're using, there will be some breakage. Where we've been able to, we try to maintain backwards compatibility and using deprecated functions as wrappers and things like that. As much as we can, we've done a little bit of that stuff. But some things are certainly going to break, which is why having a rollback is so important. When you realize something is broken, you can roll back immediately and then say, reach out either to that developer and say, hey, I'm wanting to move on to 3.0, but I'm using your plugin. 
are you going to be 3.0 compatible? And which we have a channel for that developer that they can communicate with us, and we are more than willing to point them in the right direction to get their add-ons compatible. Yeah, so uh, are there any business changes that are brought about by the new version? There there has been some discussion, right? Like we have some plugins that need to be sp- add-ons that really need to be split up. So a perfect example is front-end editor. Front-end editor lets you create posts from the front-end. It lets you edit posts uh, post types and submissions from the front end. It lets you register users and log users in uh, from the front end and update their profile from the front end. It does all of that stuff. It's too much stuff, right? It's 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 gotten too big, and so it really needs to be an add-on for user management, uh, uh, an add-on for front end post creation, and an add-on for editing posts and submissions. Like those should be three separate things. Instead, it's just one big beast. So one of the things that we've opted for for now, for the sake of getting things out, is we're building it like it's three different add-ons, but we're still bundling it as one add-on. So people who are using front end editor will still get all of the same features. But it means in the future, we will split that up and divide that up into three plugins. We just decided not to do it while everything else is changing in 3.0. So there are some business decisions that we find as we're building add-ons. Another one is layout and styles. We've debated, should layout and styles be separate things? Some people just want styling. Some people just want layouts. Do they need them both? Do they want always want them both together? Um, Because some people are wanting them for very distinctly different things. Those decisions haven't been fully made, but those are always questions that we have while we're migrating things. They do they do bring up those questions. Have you had the reverse happen where there are two add-ons and you think they would be better if they would be together? Um, I haven't had that currently. I can't think of any of our add-ons that are like that, but we have had some add-ons where we said, I don't think it's worth upgrading this add-on to 3.0, this add-on probably needs to be sunset. So an example of that is we have an add-on called Pop Control that lets you do pop-ups based on time delay or uh, certain pages and things like that. It just had some problems, some fundamental problems. We want to revisit it in a more robust solution in the future, but we've just decided to sunset it for now because it's more of a support burden and it's just not it's not worth the upgrade another curious thing is how to have uh, an idea of who are you who's using version 2 and who's using version 3 since i guess on core you're still bundling everything as you said as 2.9 right yeah so users look like they're using pretty much 2.9.45 so or whatever version they're using and we have a couple ways of doing that so the one thing that we did is in our system status for support that we ask users to provide to our support team, we actually have the code base version and the plugin version. So we see in the plugins that they're using 2.9.45, but we can tell whether they're using the 2.9 code base or the 3.0 code base. Another thing that we did is a shout out to Vova and, and the team over at Freemius. Um, we've integrated Freemius and some custom hooks so that when people upgrade to th- opt in to upgrade to 3.0 or downgrade to 2.9, we get that notification. So we can at least look at people who have opted in to this process. We can see how many of them are using 3.0 or what other versions of the plugin they're using. So that helps us a little bit from a an adoption standpoint. We can see how many people are adopting the new code base and who is who aren't and why. And you also mentioned that a big part of this process is being communication with your client base. How how do you handle .org users where in that case you don't have any email address or anything from their side? One thing we did, and I know there's a, there is always a, a volatile conversation when we talk about admin notices 
and plugins and they're like, ah, there's so many admin notices. And from a business, I see the need for admin notices, but from a user standpoint, uh, I understand there can be some frustration. Most of the frustration I see on admin notices come from developers who are maintaining sites more than the users themselves. The users themselves are glad to get that information. Um, but people who maintain sites who have to see it like 15 different times and 15 different installs, they're the ones that are complaining. It's not the person who's running their site. But I digress. So, so that aside, we actually started early on in a version when we put the 3.0 code base into the core plugin. We put an admin notice that said three is coming. And we gave some links to information about NinjaForms 3 to communicate so that all WordPress users or all NinjaForms users, even if they're not customers, would at least get something visual in their face telling them something new is coming. Here's how to prepare. And we linked to a page that had all of the different how to demo, how you could try the demo, how to read our developer documentation, how to access it, all the FAQs around it, all that stuff. So that was our way of kind of informing everybody. And I guess you've used the plugin update welcome screens for that as well. Yeah, we're getting away from plugin update welcome screens because they tend to conflict with a lot of other plugins and problems in the admin. So one of the things that we want to do is instead of going straight to and redirecting a plugin admin in 3.0, what we'll probably do is when you real when you upgrade to 3.0 or you get an update, we will put an admin notice that is dismissible and is, that dismiss is, is honored, <laughs> but we'll link to a page that is like a welcome page, but it's not an automatic welcome page. It's just a page within the plugin that gives you all of the update information. So it's still there in the plugin, but we're not trying to hijack on update, especially as now that the updates are kind of on page and you don't even reload the page when you're doing updates, those pages are becoming more and more obsolete. Okay, so any other challenge and associated recommendation that you would have for people who are doing a rewrite? Well, I would say you have to think about your user base, you have to think about your code base, you have to think about your team, and what is the best solution to solve that. We came about this solution because of, you know, probably a dozen different moving parts. This wasn't a decision that we just came to lightly and said, oh, we're gonna do it this way because it's the best way. And it may not be the best way. This is an experiment. And as far as I can tell, no one else in the WordPress plugin space has done it this way. So this is, this is a grand experiment. And we may fall flat on our face and we recognize that, but failure can be, can be a great teacher and we will learn through that process. But you have to think about all of the different pieces of your business, of your product, of your users, and think what's best for everyone involved. Our reason for this was to protect the user. That is why we've made the decisions we have. This is why we ship with both code bases. This is why we make it easy to roll back to a previous version. This is why we don't upgrade to the 3.0 code base unless they're using 3.0 compatible add-ons. And some people may find that painful and annoying and not understand why, but the reason is our mission is to help the users be successful and nothing makes a user more unsuccessful than upgrading to a plugin that breaks or doesn't work because of compatibility issues. So we're trying to avoid that. So are we making the right decision? Uh, that remains to be seen until we fully flesh this out to the end and see kind of where we end up. But it's definitely a, a decision with good intentions. And I think that's the thing you have to take it into consideration is what is your end goal? Is your end goal to make the most, the smoothest experience for your users? Or is the end goal just to get the new shiny thing out? So we feel the pain of dragging our feet 
but it's because we want to create the best user experience when it's all said and done. And we're willing to swallow crow a little bit for not getting it out sooner. And we're willing to feel the repercussions of talking too soon and shipping too late if it means what the users get is a better product. Well, that was fantastic information, James. Thank you very much. And this is why it's great to be in a mastermind so you can get this kind of insight. So again, if you're not in a mastermind, I highly encourage you to join one with any other WordPress plugin developer or, or even guys from outside the WordPress community where you can share information on a regular basis. Having said that, I think it's time to close off this episode. I'm sure that we might have omitted uh, some questions. So if any of our listeners have questions, please send them over via our website or Twitter or any on our of our contact forms please let us know what your questions are and we'll tackle them in the next episode in the meantime you can find me at jangalia on twitter and james where can they find you uh, you can find me at james laws on twitter okay that's all for today folks and we'll see you in the next episode thank you very much bye bye